Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 192. Today, I am going to answer some questions that I have been asked about rearing children and the purpose of children and and about parenting. And I'm telling you, I am walking today in the area where angels fear to tread in giving advice about child rearing. But God has plenty to give, not Tony, but God. And so we have difficulty taking advice from one human being to another because everyone and anyone who has raised children has failed many times during the course of their children growing up. So the only infallible source that we have to turn to is the Word of God. So I want to talk to you about children today. Really, I pray it'll be an encouragement to you as you rear your own children, your grandchildren, and help those who are struggling about us. And the church of Jesus today is struggling as much as any entity. It just seems like we've lost our minds and we are acting just like the world. We're bringing our children up as they do in the public schools instead of following the words of God. You see, the school system used to do what the Bible teaches about discipline, but now that's not the case. It's a secular, worldly approach that does not produce a desired end. Now, all we have to do is look around today. You can disagree with me all you want to, but the proof's in the pudding. You look at what we're seeing on our school campuses today, whether it's uh, Christian schools or public schools versus what we saw in the 50s, 60s, and yes, even in the 70s. And I guarantee you, we are looking at a different day today because the farther we get from our Judeo-Christian upbringing and values that most of us had, the more we will see violence, bullying, godlessness, everything you can imagine, and certainly disrespect that's on the lips of many children today. And the reason for that is because of the parents. The children will follow what the parents teach. The Bible gives much admonition about this. Two Psalms to begin with. Psalm 78, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. In other words, some of the things that the psalmist said that he and his companions heard were not easy to take. They were not always easy to understand. We try to make everything easy for our children, and in doing that, we are ruining them. Everything's not easy in life. Everybody's not a winner in life. We are teaching that no matter what we do, everybody's the same. And what that is is just another form of communism and socialism. We've gotten away from our work ethic, but it says that we will not hide them from our children. That is these sayings that are hard to get a hold of. We will not hide them from our children. We'll tell them to the next generation, the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works, which he has done. You see, we need to share with our children the great stories of God and the great miracles. You don't have to explain a miracle. I mean, you're not the TLC channel. I'm not the Discovery channel. We're not trying 
trying to explain away the supernatural with an anti-supernatural bias. No, we just say God did it because that's who God is. They'll accept that. And as they get older, they'll understand the miracles of God for themselves. Verse 5 of Psalm 78 says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Men, fathers, it is your primary responsibility to see that your children are taught, taught the Word of God. Teaching them the Word of God is far more important than anything else you'll ever teach them. And so the Bible makes clear, fathers, that is our responsibility. Now, mothers, it's your responsibility too, but it's primarily the father who is the leader in the home. Now, he may delegate that to you and you may delegate that to someone else, but it is your responsibility to see that it's taught. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the public school's responsibility. It's not even the Christian school's responsibility. It is yours. And if you and I shirk that responsibility, then we'll answer to God for that. The Bible says that that generation to come might know them. Know what? Know the laws of God. Know the statutes of God. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. We are only one generation from extinction. We're only one generation away from slavery. We are only one generation away from losing the great heritage that God has given us in America. And the reason that we teach our children is so, according to verse 7, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Well, the fact is we're not teaching it. We're not teaching in our churches. It's almost like we've outsmarted God. We don't teach the Bible anymore. We're trying to serve and we're trying to get cute and fancy. We're trying to make it about music. We're trying to make it about drama. Teach and preach the Word of God, men of God. And fathers, take your children to churches that will teach them the Word of God from the pulpit, from the children's departments and classes, and the student ministry. Oftentimes I'm asked in consulting with churches, what should be the vision of the student ministry? Whatever the vision of the senior pastor and the lead pastor in the church is. The student ministry is not to be a silo off by itself. It's not to be spinning its own plate. It is to be walking in harmony with the rest of the church. If we continually put down church to our children, what are they going to do as soon as they get of an age to where they don't have to come? Well, they're going to remember what you said, that that's a bunch of old dull fuddy-duddies, that you need to do your own thing. Well, that will do your own thing right out of the church. And so the Bible teaches that we are to teach them the great works of God. And that they may not be like their fathers. You see, we need to teach them that life is too short to learn from just their own mistakes and our mistakes. We've got to learn from the mistakes and the successes of those who have come before us. Tell them the truth. We're so watered down in our culture that we don't want to tell children the truth. Of course, we've got to be guarded about that, but tell them the truth. Tell them the truth about the things that the Bible says and the Bible doesn't say. Quit trying to obfuscate and mystify everything. Just tell them the truth. The children will listen to you. So the Bible teaches over and over again, not just in Psalm 78. That's a long psalm, and I'm not going to read any more of it. But I will read you Psalm 127. 
Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Now, beginning in verse 3 of 127, it's obvious he's not talking about building the house of the Lord and building a city. He's talking about building people, children. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, that they may not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. You see, we get hung up on how many are in a quiver and how many children we ought to have. Instead of taking the gist of that psalm is that children are a gift from God and that they are meant for good. You see, the prophet Malachi said in chapter 2 and verse 15 that God put man and woman together and made them one spirit. Why? Why one, according to Malachi 2.15? This is the reason. He, that is God, seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none of us deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. God says, stay together for the children. You say, well, you know, I don't like her anymore. Well, it doesn't matter. There's more to life than what you like, sir. There's more to life, ma'am, than you being happy. You've brought children into the world, and you have a great responsibility to them. We don't, we don't uh, talk about this much anymore. All we talk about is, well, I want to be free. I want to be happy. I want to be this. I want to be that. And so you have women leading the homes, and you have men wimping out and not fulfilling their responsibility because that's not kosher in our culture. Well, I'm telling you, God holds us responsible. Men, stay with your wife. She's the wife that God's given you. And if you brought children in this world, you two have a responsibility together to rear that child. And you can't do it half time somewhere. And if there's issues, I know there always are. And everybody comes back, well, there are exceptions. Well, we don't live by the exceptions. We live by the rule. We forget about the children in all of these divorces and these convenience divorces. Every now and then, somebody will come to me and say, well, I heard what you said, you know, and my uh, husband beats me. Well, didn't you know that before you married him? You should have dated him long enough to find that out, and you might have walked over some obvious signs of that. But please, if your husband's beating you, well, turn him over to the authorities and get into a safe place and deal with that. I'm not talking about all of these exceptions. I'm talking about these separation and children being torn apart just so a, a husband and a wife don't have to really work through things. What I'm saying to you is stay together for the children's sake and you work things out. The goal of marriage is not to be happy. If that's the goal of marriage, a lot of marriages are failing because a lot of the men and women who are in the marriage are not happy. But that's not the goal in life. The goal in life is to be holy and to walk with God and to raise up a godly seed. Is it worth it staying together so you can raise up a godly seed? Well, yes, it is. That's what God says. And he said one of the reasons he put you together is so that you could raise up a godly seed. And so the Lord has a whole lot to say about all of these things. And so how in the world do we do it in a generation as wicked as ours? Well, first of all, it's important what your children hear. 
I would say to you, the first thing is watch what you're saying around your children. They're listening. They're hearing you. They may look like they're playing, but they're listening to you. Please stop saying, well, I just, I can't imagine what these kids are going to grow up in. It's not the world that it used to be. Oh, I hate the world that we're living in for our kids. I just hate it for what the kids are going to go through. You know what you're doing? You're poisoning your children and you're setting them up for a life of fear and dread and excuse if things don't work out right because they're living in this dreadful generation. Listen to me. God is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. The Holy Spirit is real. If Christianity doesn't work in our home and in our heart, it doesn't work. And our children are going to be able to face the next generation that's coming and whatever is coming in the earth. Yes, times may be bad, but God's greater than our times. This is an opportunity for them to trust the Lord. Teach them that no matter what is coming, if they know Jesus and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, lives in their heart and They can trust God the Father, and they can lean on God. No matter what's coming, God's going to be with them. He promised he'd never leave them nor forsake them. And whatever's coming, they can face it by God's grace and God's help. That's what we need to teach our children instead of driving fear into them because they're not coming up in the same kind of culture and climate that we did. First of all, we need to do everything we can to open our mouths and change the culture, roll up our sleeves and change the culture, quit throwing rocks at it and change the culture in Jesus' name, but also we need to make sure that we're not poisoning our children and putting a bad attitude in them to begin with because words matter. So watch what you say to your children. Please never let come out of your mouth again if it has. Oh, I just hate it for the kids and what's coming for them. Oh, they're, they're going to live in a horrible generation. Don't tell the kids that. Tell them whatever comes in the future that God will be right there with them, and that'll make all the difference in the world. Let me say one other word. Children desperately, desperately need consistency. Your children will be fine, Mom and Dad, if you are fine. And if you're stable, your children will be stable. If you teach your children that there are boundaries in life, there's a good chance that they're going to turn out right and enforce those boundaries. Children desperately need boundaries. Boundaries give us all security. And if they can do whatever they want to, if they can go to bed anytime they want to, if they can get up anytime they want to, if they can eat what they want to, not eat what they want to, then you're setting your children up for failure, I assure you. And the reason is this is not what life is like. Real life's not like that. We have to do things we don't want to do. Those boundaries are there. The reason there's speed limits is because there's curves ahead where we'll get killed. There are limits on everything. People say, well, I'm free. Well, you know, no one's totally free. You say, well, I'm free in Jesus. Yes, you are. You're free to obey God. You're not free to do whatever you want to do. That's not what Christian freedom is. And so we need to put boundaries in the life of our children. Learn to say no to your children. Well, they won't like me. Well, your goal in life is not for your children to like you. Your goal in life is not for your children and you to be best friends. That may come in time, but if you're going to be the parents you need to be, they're not always going to like you, but they need to respect you and obey you, and you need to not only command that respect, you need to demand that respect because it's good for them. It is important that children have boundaries, that they have discipline, and I hear all the time out in stores, out in public places, at churches, now stop that, Johnny. Stop it. Johnny, please stop it. Would you please 
please stop it. Stop, stop, stop. If you'll stop, I'll do this. Here's the way you discipline children. I'm, I'm not perfect at this. Uh, no one is. But I can tell you there is a procedure that God's given. God tells us what to do. When we fail, God warns us. Discipline is coming. If you do that again, you choose discipline. God says you choose discipline. God's not happy to discipline his children. That's not what he is joyful about. No, God loves us enough to discipline us. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And so the method that will teach your children rapid obedience is explain to them what you expect of them. And they're going to fail. But when they fail, warn them and say, okay, you failed. You disobeyed. Now, don't let that happen again. This is the final warning. That's the second time. That's all they need. The next time, discipline them. And you choose the method of discipline, but they choose the discipline. And let them know, once you've laid down the law, you say, this is the way it's going to be. We're not voting on this. This is the way it's going to be. And if they disobey, then warn them. Okay, that means the second time you say, now I told you the first time this is the way it is and you have failed at this. It's okay to tell them that they failed and they disobeyed. But if you disobey again, you, son, you, daughter, are choosing discipline and I will discipline you. Now, you got to make that stick next time they do it. You don't have to be mad about it and you shouldn't be mad about it. You just need to discipline them. They don't need to hear, oh, please, please, please obey me. No, you give an order. You give a command. If they disobey, you warn them that if they do that again, discipline is coming. If they do it again, they are choosing discipline. What that does, that puts a responsibility on them. They can choose life and joy and happiness, or they can choose discipline, which is not going to be good for them as far as being joyful. But once you say that and you've warned them, then discipline has to come. Do what you say you're going to do, or it means nothing. And so this is just common sense. It's common, good parenting. But we don't do this. And most parents have to get to a certain level of decibel before their children really take them seriously. But I'll tell you, children know when you mean it. And so just mean it to begin with, and you'll have a happier life. The Bible says discipline your children. They'll give you rest. You are going to wear yourself out trying to make these kids mine. Tell them what to do. If they don't do it, then what you do is you warn them and then you discipline them. Raising up a godly generation is not easy, but it's doable by the grace and help of God. And so let's teach our children the truth of God in precept. Let's teach them in principle. And then let's pattern them and help them because I want to tell you, God's not going to just keep on warning and warning and warning. God will tell us exactly what to do. If we fail, he'll pick us up and he will warn us, don't do that again. Are you choosing discipline? We do it again. God's going to discipline us. That's the way God is merciful. He's long suffering, but God will discipline those whom he loves. And we need to discipline our own children. Again, that's between you and the Lord and how you discipline them, but they know and you know what works and what doesn't. So I want to encourage you. Don't, don't teach your children a bad attitude. Don't worry about your children and the culture and the generation that's coming. Let me tell you, whatever it is, God Almighty will be with our children. And if we teach them to walk with God and trust God, then they're going to succeed in whatever they do in finding and doing the will of God. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.